You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. They say this is the first disease of the heart that Iblis had. Not his arrogance or his pride, which is what we often talk about in his manifestation. But we talk about his envy for Adam and Islam, which led to his arrogance to make him feel that he was better. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave someone who appeared to be inferior more than what he had. So it started from there. So in the poem it says, its etiology includes animosity, vying for the love of others, arrogance, poor self-worth, vanity, love of leadership and avarice, cupidity for things. These seven causes engender and envy. As for a blessing that a disbeliever or corrupt Muslim has that enables them to harm others or to show aggression. Because of it, then the malady, the malady of second wives in such instances is permissible. Now, the Imam delves into the etiology of the disease, for without discovering the causes of envy, it would be difficult to excise it. He mentions enmity, adawa. Harboring feelings of animosity towards others makes one prime for envy. Another cause of envy is vying for another's affection or love, which can become vicious, and its effect can linger in a person for a very long time which is often the case when siblings compete for parental love. The Imam next mentions arrogance, takabbur, a major, a major cause of envy. Now, although I mentioned envy cause arrogance, obviously these things are interlinked and depending on one's definition, things uh, may manifest one before the other. The important thing is they're all bad things, they're all diseases of the heart. And it's not that we should say that I'm okay, I don't have envy, but I've got arrogance, all are wrong. An arrogant man who sees someone advancing ahead of him will feel that his, this person is not worthy of such advancement. The pre-Islamic Arabs exhibited this when the Prophet ﷺ preached. The disbelieving amongst the Quraysh like Abu Jahl, Umayyah ibn Khalaf and Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira waxed arrogant uh, that this man among them, their own kin, Muhammad ﷺ, received revelation from God. The Quran exposes their feelings, informing us that each of them secretly wished to receive the revelation from the heaven the way the Prophet ﷺ did. This was flagrant envy aimed at the Prophet sallallahu When all the same between, when all is the same between people, arrogance does not show itself. But when someone is suddenly elevated in rank, the dynamics change. Pharaoh grew arrogant and envious when Moses came to him with God's message. Part of Pharaoh's problem was seeing a prophet chosen from among the people that Pharaoh enslaved and deemed less than the Egyptians. Imam Maulud mentions low self-esteem. Uh, Darzuz, uh, the feeling that one's worth is compromised by the fact that another person has gained more. This was also a pathology found in the days of the Prophet ﷺ when the disbelievers of Quraysh protested aloud. If only this Qur'an had been sent down to a great man of either the two cities. In other words, they were so entrenched in their mode of tribalism, they could not accept that Muhammad ﷺ was a true prophet since he was not of the elite of the two cities, that is Mecca and Taif. The Prophet ﷺ was too ordinary for them, too much like them, to have been chosen for such a lofty station. This is like saying, how can he be a prophet while he's like us and, not, and we are not prophets? Love of leadership is another cause of envy. People in leadership often resent others achieving something significant, feeling a change in the equilibrium of power. The envious leader desires that others are deprived of accomplishment and authority. This is akin to covetousness, uh, covetousness which the Imam mentioned in the same line. There is, though, a distinction between covetousness and love of leadership. The latter afflicts those who have position already, while the covetousness relates to those who do not have it but desire it uh, avariciously. The type of covetous, covetousness is called uh, shuh in Arabic, a desire to have what is in possession of another person. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Whoever is safe from the covetousness of his own soul, he is truly successful. Surah 59 verse 9. 
Al-Ghazali mentions that because this, these diseases are common to human nature, the objective should be to transform them into something beneficial, transform a disability into an advantage, which is what successful people tend to do. The Prophet ﷺ said, There is no acceptable envy except of two people. One of them is a person who has been given wealth and spends it towards good causes. Envying such a person is permissible because one's desire is to have wealth in order to do righteous deeds of giving to the needy. One may envy such a person, but not in a sense of hoping that he, 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 this other person loses his wealth. The other person is one who has been given wisdom and teaches it to people. A person may envy the wise because he or she wishes to be imbued with some of that wisdom in order to teach others. If one has envy, let it not be of fleeting things like worldly assets that are usually hoarded and displayed for show. Desire, instead, what will serve one's hereafter, this is how to convert negative feelings into positive ones. الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والأصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواسوا بالحق وتواسوا بالصبر. Respected brothers, we touched upon some of the root causes of envy. Uh, as I mentioned uh, in uh, previously, sometimes envy is something that one can never rid themselves of, but at least they can keep it under control and check and subdued so it doesn't cause any harm primarily to the self, but to other people around us. So that's something we should work on and recognize. We will have these uh, times when we'll go up and down in terms of uh, a, our strength and belief and conviction in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, we'll have times when we are distracted without realizing. But this is why the door of repentance is always there. This is why the, the chance to rectify is always there. This is why the person who repents and rectifies is like someone who has uh, been wiped clean, had the, the slate wiped clean, and that he gives us this opportunity to come back to him. If, he said, that's it, you've got it, you can't get rid of it, then we would, we would only take ourselves further in that uh, downward demise. So we should always recognize that having an ailment and recognizing it is a part of the cure in itself and that you have insight. How many times when we have patients and we see them on the ward, we diagnose their condition? We can't cure, we haven't cured it. But it's just the peace of mind to have with a diagnosis is actually enough to settle them. They may have cancer, it can't be cured, but at least they know what they've got. Why? Because they can have certainty on something. It might not be what they want, and it's a, it's a total different ballgame when it comes to dealing with it, but at least you go over that first hurdle. The same comes to ourselves when we have insight and we do introspection. Indeed, we should be introspecting ourselves every night because at least we can think and reflect, okay, I learned this, have I got this, haven't I got it? If I have got it, what made me bring it? Is there some way I can rectify so I don't do it again? Can I remove myself from being in that situation again in the future? If I am in that situation, can I do something to prevent it from happening? If it does happen, can I repent sooner? There's always an option there for somebody. So there's always hope for that person. And that's something we should realize because a person may realize that they have uh, been so far away and been having traits that are anything but acceptable in Islam. But that doesn't mean to say that there's no hope for them. We look at, I mentioned Abu Jahl, I mentioned Umayyad bin Khalaf in the, uh, in the list of people who are hypocrites. But remember, Hadar Amr could have been in that list as well because Prophet made a dua. He made, said, give one of the two, Abu Jahl or uh, Umar bin Khattab, uh, to Islam. He, and Allah subhanahu wa chose Umar bin Khattab. So Allah gave guidance. So the point is, someone who could have been in that category is considered what? One of the masters of the, uh, of the believers in the, uh, in, the, uh, in the hereafter. So the point is, Allah is the one who, when He gives guidance to and the person takes it, the sky is literally the limit. And if you recognize that and learn from that, that somebody can be nowhere and go somewhere. And not just in the time of Sahaba, we can look at the time, other times, more contemporary times amongst us where we have seen people who are not Muslim who became Muslim, people who are not practicing who became practicing. 
Junaid Jamshed, he passed away just a couple of weeks ago. Everybody knows his past, everybody knows what he changed to, and everybody knows how he died. The khutbah he gave before he passed away. The point is, is that if Allah chooses good for somebody, then nobody else can take it away. And this is why we should not be envious, because it's Allah who's given it. If Allah's chosen to give somebody, can you question his judgment? Are you playing God? Indeed, we can say we either believe in Allah, or we can say we believe Allah. Believing in Allah is easy, because they're saying, I believe in something. But it doesn't mean to say you believe every statement they make. But if someone says, I believe Allah, then they're saying, I believe the Qur'an. The words that are in the Qur'an, if it says Allah will not burden a slave greater than they can bear, you believe those words. Believing means if you actually believe them, you take them seriously and you actually think they have weight. You don't just say, oh, he said, you read it and you move on. Likewise, if it says true success comes in following Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger, and you believe those words, then you have to believe that following Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and what he did and what he said has value. Simply believing in Allah means, well, I believe in Allah, but, and I believe in the Prophet, but you're not believing his words. It's taking it to the next level. May Allah make it easy for us to understand and appreciate these subtleties and acquire the wisdom so that we can understand, implement, practice and preach uh, what we hear. Inna Allah malaikatuhu salluna ala nabi Ya ayuhadina amnu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.